Welcome to our Perimenopause What the F podcast, brought to you by the Perry community. In this podcast, your host, Rachel Hughes, talks everything, and we mean everything, perimenopause. She helps us navigate through all our What the F perimenopause moments and all, is this normal? Questions. Rachel talks with perimenopause experts, thought leaders, and inspirational voices of the community. To connect with other perimenopause warriors, download our free Perry app. You can find the link in our show notes. And now, let's dive right in. Hey everyone, this is Rachel of Rachel Hughes Midlife here with another episode of Perry Talks, where we like to deep dive into all things perimenopause and menopause, bringing you the science and the sisterhood. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with New York Times bestselling author and columnist for Well at the New York Times, Jancy Dunn, a frequent contributor to Vogue, The Oprah Magazine, and Real Simple. Jancy Dunn has penned several bestsellers, among them, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. We're going to speak to Jancy about that, but also how not to hate your husband during perimenopause because it's a real thing, you know? Jancy's latest book, Hot and Bothered, What No One Tells You About Menopause, is a terrific read full of real-life challenges met with the science and data from some of the most prolific and important leaders in the menopause conversation. Hey, you know, Perry is mentioned in the book too. I'm very excited to meet with Jancy and I hope you can join us. For future episodes, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And now, let's get started. Welcome, Jancy Dunn. So happy that you're here speaking with us. Are you in the country, by the way, or are you on a Welsh adventure still? Oh, I'm I'm back and I'm here in my um my house in New Jersey. So okay. yes, here I am. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, Hello. More glamorous. Okay. No, it looked terrific where you were and, and fun and beautiful. Jancy Dunn is the columnist for Well at the New York Times. She is also a New York Times bestselling author of nine books, including, as mentioned, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids, which was published in 12 languages, and the essay collection, Why Is My Mother Getting a Tattoo? Jancy, I just have to say, you have some of the best titles in all of publishing. Jancy oh has, has written about health for two decades in publications such as Vogue, The Oprah Magazine, Real Simple, and Health. Welcome again, Jancy. Just to lay some groundwork here um, for all of us, obviously, I've mentioned the title of your former book. Here is your current, Hot and Bothered, What No One Tells You About Menopause. Could you, if you would, share as much or as little about your relationship with your husband after the birth of your child? And I'm thinking sort of beyond that, kind of it's inspiration for your your book on that, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. So if we could maybe start there and then bridge the gap into the menopause conversation, that would be great. Sure, of course. Yeah, I mean, they're both pretty major um, life events, aren't they? And and in both cases, I'm just sort of realizing this now, it's like, you can talk about it in the abstract all you want, but until you experience it, you know, it was both with parenthood and with menopause, you know, people would tell me about it and I could sort of process it, mm. but I couldn't, 
put myself in their shoes until I was there in both mm-hmm. cases and both the good and the bad. And I don't think, you know, menopause has been all bad. I really don't. And so, yes, when I had baby, when I was almost 43, I was an mm-hmm. older parent. I was a geriatric parent <laughs> and as they call them. And, you know, I'm, I've been with my husband for 10 years and he was I always thought of him as a, a progressive guy, you know, and, and we, we talked about, you know, I, I just, he wasn't some Cro-Magnon. And, and so I figured, okay, we're going to work this out. Like we always have. We didn't fight that much. It was just the two of us. And so we were just, it was just, I thought, well, this is going to be smooth sailing. I was so naive. And so when I had the baby. It was, first of all, almost the second the baby came out, all of a sudden, Tom, my husband, decides to take up training for the New York Marathon and long distance <laughs> cycling. What? <laughs> it's literally oh, pedaling and running away from us. Yes. And, you know, you can't, he, he said, no, I want to get in shape for the baby. But it was also because he was terrified. I could not sure. see that at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, neither of us had any experience. I had, I, I babysat, but, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And so, We both locked into this pattern right away of, I was the expert. He would say to me, you're the expert. Just because I had ovaries, I guess I was the expert. I didn't didn't know what the hell I was doing. But then again, I shut him out. And this was, this was on me. You know, when he would try to do things like bathe the baby or or feed the baby or something, I would say, Mm. "Uh, let me just, no, you're, you're, the snaps are wrong. Those little snaps, let me get, and I was just hovering and that's called maternal gatekeeping. And I was doing that to him. And so the more I shut him out, the Mm. more he would call me the expert. And so we got locked into this pattern pretty quickly. And also, you know, I had a stay-at-home mom. Um, His mom stayed at home for a long period of time. And so you can't escape from how you were raised. And so we both Mm. also fell back into the patterns of our youth. And I thought, oh, wait, I'm I'm doing a lot of the, the household work and he isn't. Like I get breastfeeding or whatever, you know, maybe I'm more qualified, but he, it, it doesn't take a PhD to empty the dishwasher, nor right. does it require, you know, at ovaries. And so we just started fighting all the time and it got really bad. And we, right. again, we weren't fighters. We were these like, you know, gentle writer. He's a writer also. Okay. So I thought, wow, this is awkward because I write about mental health for a living. I write about relationships and, and my own relationship was, was really falling apart. It got, mm. it got bad. We just couldn't find a way out. And I see this with new parents too. It's like, you're so tired, even with one, I thought one, how hard is it? You know, I have friends with three, you know, and, but, but you're so fried, your world is turned upside down and there's no time to assess what's going on to, to re recalibrate your relationship, you know? So, so that's why I wrote the book because I thought this can't be just happening to me. And, and, and also when you go on social media and everybody mm. seems like they're not fighting, that they're having sex, yeah. that they're well slept, the baby's not screaming, you know, and you're yeah. like, everyone's hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it just makes you feel bad. So I thought, you know, yes. I'm used to when I'm a writer thinking like, what are topics that other people maybe aren't talking about a whole lot that we can talk about without a sense of shame or judgment? Mm-hmm. So. That's my incredibly long answer to your question of why. No, no, it's not at all. Yeah, it's not at all. And and I I do want to hover there just a little bit longer, but I I so appreciate not to conflate being a new parent with 
menopause, but there's mm-hmm. threads there that I think you're stitching together that are so helpful and important and resonate for everybody. And, and one of them is this kind of like, um, I, I had no idea the reality is starkly and markedly different from the observation, the babysitting, the, you know, just being around people and, and kids. It's like, it's got nothing, you know, nothing, right. You know, nothing. I have nieces and nephews. I've got this. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I would, I would argue that for many of us, and I'm sure we'll start to hear this conversation more as so many of us are talking about perimenopause and menopause, which maybe our, our mother's aunts, grandmothers didn't do, but this, this idea that somehow, you know, or you are an expert by virtue of having ovaries, by virtue of having a period for the last, however many years that somehow you'll sort of fluidly step into it. Um, and it won't be like the, the cracking and explosion of everything as you knew it, you know, sort of mind body experience. And again, it's like, you just don't know till you're in it. Yes. A hundred percent. And it just, you know, it makes me really appreciate all the women in my life that have gone before me. And I think, God, you didn't even have anyone to talk to about this. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah. And you, and, and you, you learn on the, on the go and, and yes, in both cases, I really underestimated it. I thought, okay, it, you know, with this baby, if I get enough, I didn't realize how, yeah, how little experience anything that I had before that could, mm-hmm. could apply to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, does anyone remember, you know, when, if, if you gave birth in a hospital and then they hand you the baby and you get in your car and you go home and you're like, yeah, what? yeah. It's, the it's, first, I were, it's, it's so funny you say that the first night home, I'll never forget with my son because it was like the worst night ever. Was and it? I, I, well, not in, oh my God, we have a baby and it's so wonderful, but it was in that like terror of not wanting to screw anything up. And like, it, it, I was breastfeeding. Is that enough? Is he getting enough? Why is he crying? I thought like the, the, the panic that ensues is pretty intense. Right. Yes. So yes, we, we did work it out. We are still, we are still married, but I, I really did have to call on, you know, I had amassed a a lot of experts by then because I'd been interviewing them for years and years. And I said, help. And, and so many of them said, oh, you, you don't know, we hear about this all the time, you know? And, and so it was everything from strategies about like, you end up squabbling. It's really, I, I felt such a sense of shame. I'm like, why am I fighting about the dishwasher? Like, I can't believe, why is this taking such a monumental role in our relationship? You know, and it, mm. of course it's not about the dishwasher, is mm-hmm. it? So mm-hmm. I remember a couple of people, relationship experts would say, go back, just sit down one day when the baby's sleeping or something, that magical moment when the baby's sleeping, you're supposed to get everything done. But like, mm-hmm. you know, and and write down every chore you've that you have to do in your life with your partner and divvy it up because Hmm. so often conflicts, I I never forgot this. One of them said to me from the Yale Parenting Center that conflicts arise when your roles are not clear. And that's what it was with us. It was the lack of clarity of our roles. Like it would be like who worked harder during the week. And so who gets up with the baby on the weekend? It would be like this endless, well, you did this and I did that. And, you know, so we made everything crystal clear about who was doing what. And even that 
helped, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I had to get used to stepping away and relinquishing control and yeah. not feeling guilty about taking a little time for myself. And by little time, I mean, like going to target for 20 minutes and just like right. blank staring at stuff, right. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. and, and realizing that, that I wasn't doing our relationship any favor by making him the bad guy and owning up to my own behavior too, you know? So, so this brings me actually to what you just brought up. And my next question is you, you saw a relationship expert, Terry real. Is that right? Yeah. And am I pronouncing that correctly? Okay. Yes. Um, and you wrote in, in somewhere, it may have been a post. It may have been a column. Tom and I did a harrowing yet transformative weekend intensive with Terry, who is famously blunt. He told me I was very comfortable with my self-righteous indignation and mm-hmm. told Tom to get the hell off the couch and help her out. So, so you've said that it was, it's, it was really helpful. So you took advantage of sort of the people you had by that point amassed in your professional world and got to reach out to this person. And then you saw them as a couple for your own marriage and, re- and relationship. Is that right? Yes. And Terry, I had heard about, you know, I featured him a couple of times in the New York times. He's, he's, he, he wrote a great book called us most recently. And I had heard about him for years. He was the man from Boston. That's how people knew him when I wrote the book a few years ago, they were like, you got to see this man from Boston. <laughs> he will yell at the both. Like he's, he's really wow, harsh. He, okay. He, he takes sides. He's mm. unconventional and he tells it like it is. And he mm-hmm. said to me, you're, you're real comfortable being self-righteous. And, you know, he, he just, he so thoroughly dismissed, we went for this relationship intensive for the weekend and everyone warned me, like, you're going to be so rattled afterwards. He like, he, he does not hold back. And indeed he did not. And for hours and hours, you know, he drills down to your problems and then he just tells you stuff that you need to hear. And so from that day, you know, he gave us this exercise that I still think about. I may write about this actually. It was called full respect living. And he said, okay, from here on in, I want you to try your hardest when you interact with each other, not to drop below the level of simple respect, just respect. Mm-hmm. I want you to try that. Now, I think he had, a, he had us try it for a week and it was, it was almost impossible. I, again, I felt like, oh my God, we're not even treating each other with respect. Like it's just. It's like so in dialogue and discourse yes. being disrespectful. Okay. Interactions. Mm-hmm. That's the bar. Simple mm-hmm. respect. Okay. Was, well, of course I can do this for us. Anyway, it was real difficult. And another, another for that book, Guy Winch, I interviewed him recently as well. Like there's some, there's some counselors out there that I really like, and he's mm-hmm. uh, a psychotherapist in New York and he has this um, podcast called Dear Therapists with Lori Gottlieb. But anyway, he gave us another exercise that I also never forgot. And it was write down 10 things. If you have a partner and you're, you know, in the thick of this, write down 10 things that your partner did for you that you appreciate and not, not qualities, not they're funny or whatever, right? Physical things that they have done for you because that they've taken it to the end. It's not just talking about it. They did it. And then we had to come back the next week. I'm a big, like, do my homework, you know, row type of person. So we, we got our assignments. And then the next week we went into Dr. Winch and he said, okay, you have your 10 things. And we said, yeah. And we were ready to read them to Dr. Winch. And he said, no, 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 turn and read them to each other. Oh, yeah. And it made me feel weirdly shy. Yeah. I I feel that. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're kind of like, really? (laughs) I started reading to Tom, my husband, and I got to like number six and it was 
painted my parents' house last summer. And then I thought, wow. wait a minute, hold up. He went weekend after weekend to my parents' house in New Jersey, got mm -hmm. on a rickety ladder near a hornet's nest, painted, <laughs> not his parents, my parents' house. Wow. And that blew by me because when you have a little kid, especially, or a baby, like, you're not thinking like, like life is speeding up. It's both very slow and very mm -hmm. fast. Mm -hmm. I feel right. Mm -hmm. And so I remember reading that and looking at him and, I, and then I started crying. I said, Oh my God, you painted my parents' house. Mm -hmm. How could I not have properly thanked you for that? What is wrong with me? And, you know, and then he was reading to me and he said, you're my best friend. He's never said that in 20 years. Mm -hmm. I didn't know he thought that. And that was a real, along with Terry telling it like it is, because there's something really, I, of course, I recommend counseling if you can do it. It's not cheap, even in cheap cases, I know. Right. But if you can have a third party forensically examine your marriage, because, you know, it's one thing to talk to your sister and be like, oh, Tom, he's so, you know, he's, he's not pulling his weight. And of course, your sister is going to be like, of, yeah, you know, you, 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 he should, he should step up mm. but when somebody else does that it can be life-changing so anyway both of those exercises we certainly didn't get it right with full respect living we still struggle with that particularly me that's so helpful yeah. and i just hearing you sort of lay it out i'm going to read the, uh, a comment to you jancy <laughs> but hearing you lay that out also is making me think that you have this tool now in your relationship toolbox that you can apply in all times. And it also made me think that having a baby is enormously stressful for many, I would argue most people, even in the very best, most welcome, most happy birth experiences, great doctor, nine months, like all of that. It, it's still a really stressful time. And so having this, these tools that you've illustrated so beautifully um, is, is super, really, really helpful. And I thank you for that. I want to get to what someone has typed in here in the chat. But before I do that, I just want to ask you, this is, this is like a silly question, because this is what you do. But how is it for you to share so much of your personal life and experience in all of the work? Was that something that you always intended to do or did that just kind of slip out as you were oh, going on you know, weirdly even as I sit here you know even as I wrote a chapter on vaginal dryness mm. I am quite shy actually mm. I don't know do you present I present as an extrovert when actually totally yes right. like, oh yeah we end up doing what we do but it's just no this idea thing that happens right yeah like, yeah so it's I like an on switch years like you faked it for enough years, yeah. like acting almost where you yep. sort of are able to do it. Right. Yep. But same way, I'm I'm quite shy. And I, you know, in both cases, in both books, like I knew I had to disclose part of my own life because as a reader, I tend to trust people that do that a little bit more like, oh, okay, this is where you're coming from. And I just, it's also comforting to know, because again, sometimes we get siloed, particularly both in the early days of menopause and, and in, in perimenopause. And, and if you have a kid, like it can be so isolating. Yeah. And there's this pressure to, to make it seem like, you know, that you do have this. And so I remember thinking, okay, just put yourself out there because it's, it's going to help people just, just write the book that you wish you had and, and mm. 
you have to tell the truth. And I remember when I showed the manuscript to my husband, Tom, again, because, you know, he doesn't look great in this sometimes. And, and I said, go ahead and red pen anything that you want. Of course, you have final say. I don't want to sell you out here. And he said, no, I'm a journalist too. And it's the truth. This is mm. what happened. And even when I was writing that book, I didn't know how our marriage was going to end. I really didn't. Like it was, it was a little touch and go. Yeah. And so I thought <laughs> this might not have, this might not, not be all tied up in a bow at the end. And that's going to be awkward, but you know, it also follows some statistics about people who split. So what can I do? But no, it, it, sometimes I, I, I look at what I've written and I think, oh, am I really sharing this with everybody? But, but, but I love how generations, you know, I'm generation X and, and yeah. the generations younger than me, I'm really inspired by how transparent they are. Yes. Right. How they I have said that a million times. It's all oh, out there and it sort of has freed me up and it sounds like you up has it about much. Up? Yes. Right. Tell mm-hmm. me how, because I find that so interesting. It's because I feel like once they get out there, then it's out there. Mm-hmm. Then it's out there. You're not confessing multiple times. It's out there. Mm-hmm. And and it's it it is so freeing. And and they once they position it a certain way when they talk about, you know, um uh period talk or you know, body images or acne, like I just think thank you, younger generations. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I think of this often when I started on Instagram talking about perimenopause and menopause. Mm. And I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who sort of felt almost compelled or loosened up, less restricted to talk about some of what was going on because there were all of these conversations already happening around how I'm feeling, how I'm doing, how I'm registering changes in my body that were that younger people were were sharing. And I I don't think it's too far fetched to say that it impacted many of us in this niche, if you will, to come out with a lot of it. Jancy, I do want to sort of pivot us now to your book, Hot and bothered and and sort of bring menopause deeper into the conversation you mentioned here a few minutes ago and and in your book that you kind of couldn't believe as someone who uh you know explores researches speaks to so many people about being well that mm-hmm. the perimenopause piece had largely escaped you and maybe even blindsided you in some ways. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. You know, things have changed radically in terms of covering menopause and especially perimenopause just in the past couple of years. Like whenever, I don't know about you, but whenever I get kind of frustrated, like, oh, this topic is still not out there the way it needs to be out there. I think, well, things have changed a lot. In, in just a few short years, like, like right now, even sometimes when we have meetings and we will say, are we covering it too much? I'm thinking, mm. what a problem to have, because back in the day, right. you know, even when I say back in the day, I mean, five years ago, yeah. <laughs> nothing. And in fact, I tried, you know, I sort of floated that idea with uh, my publisher, you know, a while ago, even before I was having symptoms, I thought, you know, it's affecting half the population, like, let's go. And they weren't interested then. And so, yes, I've been writing about health for 20 years and, and I just didn't know that much about perimenopause. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I had it in my head. Oh, that's, you know, that's like, that's golden girls. That's for older Mm -hmm. women. I'm not even going to think about this right now. 
And when I first started getting symptoms, I mentioned I had a baby at age almost 43. So I had a two-year-old when I started getting symptoms. I was just not in that headspace at all. I was going to Elmo birthday parties. I was, I was taking my kid to bouncy castles. You know, I I was, I had a toddler. And so I was, I, I just was in that kind of like, you know, mother of a young kid headspace, certainly not thinking about menopause or perimenopause. And then I did the thing, the classic thing that so many people do where you get symptoms and you don't connect the dots. If you don't know what the symptoms of perimenopause are, how do you connect the dots, recognize a pattern and see that this is what might be happening to you? It's also, you know, hard. You've talked about this, I know, but but it's it's hard to separate some of the symptoms from just being in midlife, you know, like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah. Well, of course I'm tired. You know, so there's 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 that. And so um when I started getting a couple of symptoms, I remember I got um a racing heart. That's mm-hmm. often that's a common one. And I thought, uh oh, heart attack time. Right. I went running to a cardiologist. I'm the run to the doctor type. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this was before I had a steady job. I was a um a freelance writer, and so I had a different health plan every year. I was always getting kicked off of health plans, and so I yeah. never had steady doctors. Like another experience of many people, you know, they're just constantly like yeah. switching around. And so that was part of the problem in my case is that there was never any continuity. So it became such a great point, scary, mm-hmm. you know. And so I go I go to the cardiologist, and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. And then my skin started changing and getting extraordinarily weirdly dry. I went to the dermatologist. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with you. Just, you know, use more moisturizer or whatever. And so it went on like that. And and there's research about that women can spend, you know, thousands of dollars in co-pays and doctor visits yeah. and, and time because they're not connecting the dots. And then their doctors aren't right. necessarily connecting the dots. And then it didn't even occur to me, you know, a lot of women will try to like shoehorn in 10 minutes about it at the end of their annual visit. Well, their OBGYN is doing all these other things, the pap smear and the this right. and the that, and there's just not a lot of time. So right. I I remember one night, I put this in the book, but I was kind of lying in bed because I couldn't sleep. Another <laughs> and right. it was like five in the morning. My toddler was going to be up soon anyway, so I thought, I'll just lay here. And I thought, honey, I haven't had my period in a couple of months. It's weird, mm. you know, I kind of turned over, you know, when your mind drifts. And then I turned over and my boobs were hurting see this is the stuff that's personal that i think sorry i'm laughing i'm just like you it's like one symptom after another you're experiencing yes yes yeah yeah yeah. i remember turning over boobs jostling and i'm like oh ow my boobs i thought wait a minute my boobs hurt my boobs hurt and i haven't had my period in three months boy yeah oh no and we had only planned on having one that was my I didn't, we never wanted any more kids. Mm-hmm. We were mm-hmm. perfectly happy with one. Mm-hmm. And I remember shaking Tom and saying, oh, Tom, I think, I think I might be pregnant. Like, wasn't even, <laughs> couldn't even conceive of the idea of perimenopause. Right. That was for like right. the Arthur, right? right? Yes. Yes. And so I, he said, wait, 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 what? You know, um, again, on me, how annoying that was for me to wake him up. But I thought, oh my Lord. <laughs> That's so, what I'm thinking. I know. So we go through this long conversation where we discuss the financial, emotional, psychological, logistical problems with having a kid. And finally, when it was fully morning, we said, all right, if this is what's happening, I guess, I guess, I guess we're going to try and have this kid. 
Like it was a monumental conversation. Sure. And then that's not what was happening, you know? And then, it, and then I did end up um, having my period and I thought, oh, okay. So something else is going on here. That was an extraordinarily long answer to your question. But the point is <laughs> I do have a point and it's that I did not know what was happening and I wasted time and psychological agita thinking I was pregnant. And, you know, even when I started kind of figuring out what was happening, the story over and over again, isn't it, is that the onus is on the person who is having these symptoms to both recognize the symptoms, put it all together, go and see a doctor. Um, it would have helped tremendously if I had known what the symptoms were. Cause it's, yeah. you know, a lot of it scared me. I, I thought, oh sure. no, no problems, you know? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Jancy. I, I want to get to the, I hate him part of the sort of perimenopause piece too. And I, I just want to read for you someone's comment here. She writes, my husband and I have been married for 28 years and I'm 52. He did all the quote unquote research about perimenopause. And he still tells me that I can still quote unquote choose to be happy. Hello, my hormones simply won't let me. They really want me to smother you in your sleep. This is her communicating her feelings. I've also become more intolerant of things that I've allowed for 28 years. This is a really important point. I think he's type A and I've always been avoid conflict at all costs. Perimenopause makes me more on the angry side, even when he hasn't done anything wrong. Can you speak to this at all, Jancy, in your own personal um, relationship experience research. I think this is, you know, what, right before you jumped on and then I shared with you, we, we were sort of spending a little time riffing here about kind of this thread that's funny as many things are around the conversation of perimenopause. Oh, the hot flashing, ha ha ha. And the, I'm so irritable and oh, I don't feel like having sex anymore. There's this like constant humor piece to that. But really, not too deep under the surface, there's real sort of distraught, angst, discomfort, frustration. You know, Brandy's comment about sort of letting things be a certain way for 28 years, and I think kind of maybe hitting the wall, you know, right. hormonally induced or not, it, it can create a lot of conflict and discord and unhappiness. Yes. And I can... I can speak to two things about that. And one is that in my own experience, I wasn't sharing fully what was going on. You know, there's a long tradition of keeping a stiff upper lip with these symptoms, right? My mother and mm. I never had a single conversation about menopause, not one. Mm. She's still living. We talk all the time. We talk about everything. Yeah. And, and this is one generation ago. I mean, it's kind of so radically yeah. different, even yeah. her experience, which is kind of amazing, right? And so- we're socialized not to talk about it or to minimize it. Sure. And so what I was doing is I was still carrying sort of these vestiges of shame, misplaced, misguided yeah. shame that wasn't helping anybody and, and is also a cultural construct, right? And so I wasn't sharing with him. I remember I started having bladder issues too, you know, when the estrogen leaves your body and you're, you tend to have a little bit more urinary incontinence. I can remember many times we would, we would run to the house and he would walk slowly in front of me and I would say, I have to go yeah. hurry, you know, and, and yeah. I would get angry at him. 
-hmm. And I wouldn't share with him, oh, what's actually happening is, I'm sorry for yelling at you, but here's what's happening to my body. Just a clinical way, you know, like Mm -hmm. I have to pee much more frequently than I used to. And when I feel like I have to pee, it's going to take 30 seconds and then watch out because I'm going to need wee-wee pads otherwise. Like I wish I hadn't said that, but I did. Yeah. (laughs) So, So- I wasn't sharing fully what was going on with him. And I'm not saying that she's doing anything wrong or not sharing fully, but like, that was my own experience that I didn't fully disclose. Here's what's happening to my body. And also PS he's getting older too. Like I was minimizing it. Well, things are happening to him too. We're all getting older. We're all, you know, having the privilege of getting older. And so I had to really sit him down and, and just explain in a very, simple way you know it's kind of like reverse puberty and the the hormones are kind of leaving your body whereas once they kind of flowed in when you were a teenager and here's how it's affecting my body and here are what my symptoms are and when i'm swearing at my pants because i can't get them on i'm frustrated that i have collected some weight around my middle and i don't want to buy new pants right Um, but i have to and so this is what's happening with me and and that way he can be my ally So I'm all about full disclosure so that they can help you. But on the other hand, it's also a time. I heard this so often when I was researching the book. It's a time to assess your life, right? And to see what's working and what isn't. And this isn't me making it all menopositivity, but I do think it's a time of freedom where you think, okay, well, I need to assess my mental health, my physical health my relationship, my life. Like it's, it's a good time to pause and to see what needs a little tinkering. Mm-hmm. At least it was for me and, um, and for a lot of other people that I interviewed and for experts too, they would say like, like you've been taking care of elderly parents or kids or this, that, you know, and now it's the time, you know, maybe the kids are out of the house or maybe you're just starting to feel symptoms to take care of you. So it is, it's difficult. And of course the onus is on you and it's great that he, you know, at least researched that puts him ahead of the game. But yeah, those are the two things that were helpful for me and that experts say to do. And it's not easy to talk about some of these symptoms. It's not super sexy to talk about how, you know, you have to pee more often. My motto now is might as well pee while I'm here, you know, like (laughs) all I ever say. Um, But on the other hand, you know, you're in it together, hopefully. But yeah, there was a lot of things that I had to assess in my yeah. own life, like, you know, to maybe pull back even I, my, my, how old's your son? My daughter's 14. And I thought I my son's, yeah, he's an adult. He's, he's 27. You're yeah. Kidding. No, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm 53. And I, yeah, he's a, he's so, so my circumstances are quite different from yours, but can I, <laughs> this is going to be terrible on a, just an audio. Reaction. I know. No, I'm just, I'm just, I don't, I'm, just I'm loving it. At her and like, I just put on, I just put on my readers and I'm like staring at her because Rachel, you must get this reaction all <laughs> the time. Don't you kind of love it? Come on. You just admit it that you're, Listen, you'll be like, well, I'm 43. I, I mean, 53. See, I just did it in my mind. Yes. Yeah. I love it. And, I, and that's why I went like this. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to receive more of it. Thank you, Jancy. But let me say this. Let me say this to Brandy's point. This is 
really serious stuff. And to yours, Jancy, I want to let people know if you haven't read Jancy's book, you offer really a letter that sort of serves as as a template, if you will, for what to share with your partner. It kind of, is that fair? Is that? Yes, I did. I had a, you know, I, I pulled a lot of um, counselors on how to do it because some people need a script. It's a yeah. complicated subject, both medically and psychologically. And sometimes it's just, it's just easier to have a script. You know? It is it's simple. Yes. And I thought it was a great thing. And I thought about my own relationship. And when I was really in the throes of symptoms, I think I'm getting mm-hmm. close to the end now. I'm still getting a period. But I'm, you know, at 43, I was definitely perimenopausal and my symptoms and how they were sort of showing up in our relationship was really, really, really challenging. Now, Mm -hmm. of course, there's another person there. And as for for many of us in relationships, there's another piece to the puzzle. But what has come out since is sort of the desire to know. Uh, on the part of your husband. And I think Brandy's illustrated that as well, that her husband and maybe doing his own research and taking that, uh, it sounds like he could maybe use a little help with the, well, you know, you can control this and you can control that. But I think certainly if you're able to go to counseling, that's a really, as we talked about, a, a really helpful tool. But this letter I loved because it is really hard to say these things. It's even hard to collect in a conversation what's happening. But when you can sit down and take the time to write out what you may be feeling physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, but also what you're saying is so important about seizing the this time in a broader sense, you know, it, it it's a particularly special time, just as puberty was, to be thinking about sort of the life, the, your your future many years and, and what you want it to look like and who you want to be spending time with and how you want to be expending energy and what kind of attention you're going to give to your health. All of that is is now as well, I think, is what you're saying. Absolutely. and And just to take that opportunity, you know, and it's, it's so easy to neglect your own mental and physical well-being, right? I mean, that's, you know, so many people in perimenopause are are working, they're at the height of working, or they're taking care of kids, or they're doing all kinds of things. So it can be hard, but it's, it's really vitally important. Um, You know, you deserve to go to the doctor if you have symptoms, you deserve to assess your life and see what you can do to make it better and what changes you can make. Um, you know, and I was even having like (laughs) the flash periods, um, that were really, really intense. And again, you just don't know until you're there. Like, right. Sometimes they can be Niagara Falls. Yes. Shocking. I know. So I'm hemorrhaging right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you, you're in it? Yeah. yeah, it's like I don't know where where is this even coming from. Oh, and it's lasted like well over a week. Oh my God, one of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so new. much fun, Jancy. I want to read to you Brandy's follow up comment and mm-hmm. allow you space to respond. Um, we've done that. I'm, I'm forgive me, Brandy, because I'm I'm not sure where you we left off here. We've done that, but he is the type that you can choose how you feel. 
I've always struggled with anxiety and depression and perimenopause has made that a little worse when that hormone fluctuation happens totally. I'm on HRT and that has taken care of a lot of the symptoms, but the emotions are my biggest issue. Any thoughts on that, Chancy? Well, I am, I, 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 all I do is interpret information and I am, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist. Right. And so I, all I can say is that your feelings are real and that, um, you are perfectly within bounds to go and see somebody about them and that they are valid and they are real. And sometimes you, I mean, not to go against your husband, but research shows that you cannot often you cannot choose how you feel. And especially if you are prone to depression, that is heightened during perimenopause. Again, research shows that is data. And if he's a data guy, you can show him the data. You know, there's, there's, you know, that, that can worsen your symptoms of depression. And it is, you know, there's a clear tie to hormones and mood. And so it is what it is. I, I'm sure he means well, and I get that advice sometimes too about that you can, you know, most people, you know, there's this Abraham Lincoln quote about how most people can choose to be happy. Well, now we know right. um, that it, that's not true. Nor that's, was it true for him. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right. Oh my God, that, that too. another podcast. I know. Same. Aphorism Same. that everybody quotes and he had mental health issues. Yes, yes. I know, I know. Jancy, I want to say also, uh, sort of to, to, to put together some of Brandy's comments and, and what you've said, um, truly your, your book, uh, um, lends a lot of space for your readers to be authentic and think about authenticity in all things, the emotional stuff, um, caring for their health physically, the parts about aging, but ultimately it's, it's a real resource. This book, it really is sort of like a coming alongside the reader and saying, look, this is what I've experienced. And this is what I then found out about that thing. And it it's the end of it is, is truly a resource of a little uh, sort of lists and lists of people and places and things to consider. So I, I do again, encourage people to take a look at it before I let you go, Jancy, what might you ultimately want to let all of us listening and watching know about this season of life? Just to find community where you can you know, podcasts like this are extraordinarily helpful. Even if you're not participating and you're just listening, it's so comforting. You know, I, I, I think about my mom, how she never had a single conversation with anyone about perimenopause or menopause. And I just, I feel so sad. So if there's people with whom you feel safe, you know, I would never give advice like, oh, you know, step up in, in the conference room of your job and sit and demand, you know, this and that, like, that's not the world we're living in. I hope by the time, you know, my kid gets older, it will be, I'm confident that they're not going to stand for a lot of this stuff, you know, but, you know, share, share your story with people that you, with whom you, you know, anyone that you feel safe with, talk to them about it. Don't keep silent. Talk about it as much as you can. Talk about it to your doctor. If your doctor is not hearing you, find another doctor. Some people stay loyal to their OBGYN that deliver their babies if you had babies. Um, and 
and maybe they're not a menopause specialist. Go to menopause.org and you can find a specialist. You can see them one or two times and then they kick you back to your primary care physician. But you can find a specialist that's written like 300 papers yeah. on menopause <laughs> and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're at Yale medicine. Um, yeah. Lubna Paul, Dr. Lubna Paul is a person yeah. that I quote in the book and she's, you you can't pronounce half the stuff she's writing about. Like yeah. she's one of like a, like a literal genius. Yeah. That's who's in charge of your menopause care and mm-hmm. you can do it. You can do it virtually. So you do it one or two times. Yes. You probably have to pay out of pocket, not fun, but then, you know, then you can go back and, and, and you've had someone who can quickly and efficiently refer you to all right. the people that you need to see or do that. So talk to people, go to menopause.org. There's even, for community, there's um the Menopause Cafe. I think it's mm. menopausecafe.org. You can talk to a bunch of strangers mm. about your men- your perimenopause symptoms. It's these cafes they have. They do them in the United States. They do them all over the world. And it's weirdly easier. Like here we are yes, today of course. to talk to people you don't know. I, yeah. I don't know why that is. No, I think Perry as a community, and thank you for mentioning us, by the way, in the, oh, in yeah. the book. It's so, so I- awesome. I, I exclamation pointed right by, by our mention in the book, but yes, there is something to certainly what you said community, but there is something unique about community of, of strangers sort of all going through the same thing. It, you, it, there's something about your ability to unload in, in among an audience like that, wouldn't you say? Oh, completely. And you know, every menopause experience is a little different. So the more that you can learn about what worked for other people, the better, you know, yeah. the more we're talking, the better. And and we'll, I really do feel confident that we're going to slowly chip away at the stigma and just make it easier for generations coming up. Jancy, you know, this has just, this has just graced our doors but so i hate to ask sort of like what's next but is is there is there anything on your horizon that is is, you know uh, that we should know about that you might want to share about certainly um no you know i'm 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 mostly i i got this job at the time so i write a wellness column every week for them so i had these big plans when i got the job last halloween Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to work on another book at the same time. Yeah, oh, it is kicking my behind. And yeah, so that's all I'm doing right now. That's um, but generally they, they kind of follow my life somewhat. So I, I don't, I don't quite know what's next. So yeah, that's, that's it for me right now, I guess. Jancy Dunn, just an absolute pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for joining us here in the Perry community. I hope that we get to speak again in the future. You're just a delight. And really, truly just that friend you may never meet who who will shed light and open door and make room for you to get into some of the more challenging aspects of your life. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. You're so good at this and so easy to oh. talk. I could, I could clearly stay here all day. So oh, thank you. I, I would, I would, I would, I, would, I, would, I thank you. Thank you for listening to our Perimenopause What the F podcast. The perimenopause journey can be lonely and it doesn't have to be that way. Make sure to download our free Perry app to connect with perimenopause warriors in the same stage of life. See you next time, Perry sisters.